Jed Fish is off to Washington, meaning Arizona is without a head coach. They could have players transferring out, leaving Utah as the clear favorite in the Big 12, potentially. And how real was Kyle Whittingham going to Washington? All that and more on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you may get your podcasts. If this is your first time listening to our show, make sure you like and subscribe. Love interacting with all of you in the YouTube comments as well as on Twitter. You can follow our show at Locked On Utes. Today's episode of Locked On Utes is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, as I said, got to talk about how real Kyle Whittingham to Washington was as Pete Thamel, ESPN's college football guru, reported he was on their shortlist. Also going back and revisiting an up-and-down week at Utah Beds basketball, crazy win over UCLA, the disappointing loss to Stanford on the road. But have to start with the biggest news in college football this weekend. And it has been a crazy few days of college football news going back to last week with obviously not just a week that started where you crown the national champion, but then you get Nick Saban retiring. I mean, later this week, we could even see Harbaugh go off to the NFL. So even more stuff could be happening there. But then Kalen DeBoer, there's always a domino, right? Nick Saban retires, which we saw this happen last year to Utah almost, right? Where Andy Ludwig was almost a part of the domino effect of the Patriots needing a new offensive coordinator when they fired Matt Patricia and um, Joe Judge, who doesn't even, they I mean, they were abysmal. Anyways, then the domino effect was that was the Alabama OC jobs open. Tommy Reese, the Notre Dame OC, takes that. And then Andy Ludwig nearly becomes Notre Dame's offensive coordinator in bad timing, right? That was, all of this occurred kind of in late like January and February last year. And that's what we just saw happen with this Washington team now where Nick Saban retires. So DeBoer to Washington. And now that means that Washington needed your head coach. They tab Jed Fish, come Jed Fish coming over from Arizona, who's done a fantastic job rebuilding that program up. And thus now, yeah, Arizona has a head coach opening. We'll see. I think a lot of the players were pushing for them to just retain the DC. We'll see if that's what they opt to do or if they they look to hire someone else and kind of continue the the domino effect. But what it means is, is once again, Jed Fish is no longer at Arizona. And when a head coach departs a school, usually it's followed by a mass exodus of players into the transfer portal. It's exactly what just happened at Washington. Whether it be off to the NFL or entering the portal, 18 of the 22 players that started last Monday night's national championship are now not on the team. That's how many starters have already departed because of, once again, either the portal or going off the NFL. And I think Arizona could be in a very difficult position because, look, I obviously Washington ponied up to get Jed Fish. Their NIL money is doing well. They're doing good. And maybe all the players at Arizona are going to want to stay. They'll still have a chance to compete in the Big 12, of course. Hence the reason we're, we're talking about this is why I feel like Utah's in a good position, even a better position now. It's because I do believe a lot of these Arizona guys are going to enter the portal. We see a lot of players enter the portal and follow their former coaches when they go off to a new job. It's something that happens repeatedly in college. So honestly, Noah Fafita, I absolutely expect him to be a Washington Husky. Same thing with 
Jonah Coleman, or at least does these guys enter the portal? Uh, McMillan, Cowing, all these guys, I think there's a high probability that they could be entering the transfer portal and that they're going to end up at Washington. And when you lose your quarterback, as we saw Utah do because of injury, but just in general with what a special player Fafita became, I, I think that could leave Arizona at a huge disadvantage. Now, if Fafita did transfer, Jaden Delora is in the transfer portal. He actually hasn't committed anywhere. I would expect him just to stay. And Delora does a good job, but he's not Fafita again. So this is where I just feel like, and these are even just the offensive stars. Like overall, I just think a lot of these guys from Arizona are going to end up transferring. So what does that mean for Arizona? Who to me, when you're talking about the two best teams in the big 12 next year, it's Arizona and Utah interchangeable. I can talk a little bit more about Oklahoma state in a second and why to me, they're a clear third, but with the way that Arizona ended the year and with Utah still being so competitive and just because of the injuries eventually being too much to overcome. And yes, I know Arizona beat Utah very badly. But once again, not only was Utah already banged up in general, but that game in particular, they were down their best pass rusher, their best linebacker, and their best safety or best or one-two punch of safety, basically, because even Baki was extremely sick and not out there. So, or barely, well, he's out there, but not himself. So even that loss, it's like, I got to put a little bit of an asterisk on that because all these guys who had made Utah's defense elite weren't on the field. So I do think that game would have been closer had those guys been able to play. We talk about literally the four best defenders on that Utah team that were healthy, not available because of injury, or as I mentioned, Baki with the sickness. So even that loss, I put a little bit of an asterisk on. But I really do believe this move, Jedfish departing Washington, makes Utah the clear favorite in the Big 12 now. You saw some rankings that had Arizona above Utah or vice versa. Those two schools were close to each other. Every major outlet, whether it was Bleacher Report, The Athletic, ESPN, all of them in their way too early top 25 had Utah as the best team in the Big 12. And if it wasn't Utah, it once again, it was Arizona. There was no Oklahoma State in a position to do that. And some of you, maybe somehow, some Oklahoma State fans have made their way to this podcast. And you're like, well, that's disrespectful. But, I mean, look, I know you guys are getting everyone back, but you guys were not even the second best team in the Big 12. Like, I know you beat Oklahoma, but, like, if we ask everyone, like, okay, there's a reason Oklahoma still finished the year ranked higher than Oklahoma State, right? Like, if we asked everyone, like, who's better? It's like, I know Oklahoma got them that day. Oklahoma State got them that day. But, like, I still feel like Oklahoma was the better team. We all wanted to see Oklahoma in there because Oklahoma was the one who beat Texas. They put up a better fight against Texas, too, versus Oklahoma State got steamrolled. Oklahoma State is just too inconsistent for me to be like, yep, they're the clear favorite in the Big 12. Because what they do, yes, they got a good win against an Oklahoma, but they barely beat BYU. I'm not even trying to take a shot at BYU, but that end-of-the-year BYU team was not very good. Also, if we look back, they lost 45-3. to They scored three points against UCF. Are you kidding me? And everyone played. Like, they were healthy. So that's where it's just like, I, if you're that inconsistent, I can't do it. And, yes, I know that Utah has lost a couple games the last few years. But let's also keep in mind, Cam Rising as a starter in – the regular season, he lost once in 2021. In 2022, he lost twice. In one of those, he was clearly not right against Oregon either as well. So all that Utah's ever lost to with Cam are really good teams when he starts the game. Because I know they lost to San Diego State going all the way back to 21, but he came in halfway through the game replacing former Big 12 quarterback Charlie Brewer, mind you. So, yeah, I just feel like this Utah team is clearly for the consistency that under Kyle Whittingham, they've won conference championships these past few years. They have so many players returning with conference championship game winning experience. And I'll even say this, like to Oklahoma State, Utah, it felt like they weren't the one of the two best teams in the Pac-12 when they made the conference championship game going back to 2022. It felt like Washington and even Oregon, but because of head-to-head tiebreakers, 
Utah got the opportunity to go and take on USC. And what did they do with everyone counting them out? They beat the Trojans for a second time. What did Oklahoma State do going in and facing Texas? Everyone counted them out, and they were absolutely correct, too, because they got steamrolled. Texas, the Longhorns, ran right over them throughout the duration of that entire game. This is a Utah team. Once, like When we're looking at Utah, what are they bringing back? They're bringing back one of the best quarterbacks in college football. No, he hasn't played in a while, but I'd rather take a guy coming back from an injury who's at least gotten to that high level than a lot of unknowns and unproven. This isn't even about Oklahoma State because obviously they got a proven guy. He's been there for seven years now. He too is in a Cam Rising type of situation, even though Cam's a deceptive seven-year guy because his are all you know through red shirts and all these various things as well. And yeah, the COVID year gives him a bump, but he's really only played two collegiate seasons like as a starter. And then wasn't given the opportunity, and then a backup or other things in the other ones. But either way, um, sticking on this Utah theme and this Utah front. So Utah elite quarterback, one of the best, if not the absolute best tight end room in the country. And you're looking at this offensive line, get three starters back. I've been harsh on the Utah offensive line, but let's not act like this is a bad offensive line. It was just a little bit of a disappointing one. And they will be fine in the Big 12. They dealt with some ferocious Pac-12 fronts too and still hung up their hung their own and did a very good job going out there too. So looking around elsewhere, also elite running back room for Utah. And I know other Big 12 schools, obviously Ollie Gordon's a dude as well. Looking at the defensive side of the ball, one of the best front sevens in college football. Everyone is back for Utah. And yeah, secondary, like wide receivers, they need to retool, but... They've done a good job of doing that in the past. I love that they've brought in former starters. The guys they, we saw in the bowl game looked good in the secondary, plus Zamaya Vaughn back. And at the receiver position, still got three capable pass catchers with experience at Utah. And then Walker Lyons, who we're going to talk about on tomorrow's show, what his addition means for the team. So to me, it's just like Utah, because of their coaching and consistency, they've earned the benefit of the doubt on some of those unknowns. And while Oklahoma State's very good, I expect them to be a top 20 team. I just don't feel as comfortable putting them in that, spot where it's like, oh yeah, they're the class of the big 12. So that's where I feel like Utah truly is because I feel like soon we're going to see all these Arizona players transferring out and leaving and ended up making their way up to Washington. So I feel like Utah is in a fantastic position to win the big 12 in 2024. One of the reasons of that, that is too, is because Kyle Winningham is going to be staying at Utah. Want to talk about what it means that he was not Washington's coach and also talk about how serious I think those discussions even got with all of you in one moment. But first I want to talk to you about our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL regular season has wrapped up. Even the divisional round is over, but there's still time to get in on action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is easy to use. There are so many different ways to bet, like a same-game parlay. Find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Pub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. And speaking of NFL bets, what a crazy weekend we saw in the divisional round, whether it was Matthew Stafford and the lot excuse me, Matthew Stafford falling to the Lions at home. What a huge win for Detroit. CJ Stroud showing out. There's a lot of playoff matchups still up in the air because of the games. Actually, all the playoff matchups are still up in the air because of we're waiting on the games to play out on a Monday. So make sure you guys keep it at FanDuel. So many great, exciting actions. You know, this was a week where we saw a lot of the best quarterbacks win, put their teams on their back. CJ Stroud, Patrick Mahomes doing their thing. So my advice going into wild, the divisional round is I would fall below the quarterbacks. That's all I'm saying, but we're going to continue to talk about those lines all week long and make sure you check them out at FanDuel Sportsbook. All righty, coming back in this one, uh, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. To all of you as well, appreciate all of you for continuing to tune in and listen to this show. You know how much we greatly appreciate all of you for that. Now, moving on off of what happened at Arizona to what's happened at Washington, as we said. 
Uh, Washington, uh, Pete Thamel reported this after DeBoer left. Washington will be an attractive job. Officials there for now won't have any uh, college market competition. So he said a quick list, no order, just of candidates. Lance Leipold, who did turn them down. Very interesting. Turning down Kansas to stay at, or turning down Utah, geez, JT, turning down Washington to stay at Kansas. Um, wild. That's a crazy world that uh, this has become. Then Jed Fish, obviously he took it. Matt Campbell, Ryan Grubb, Barry Odom, Chris Kleinman, Dave Clawson, Kalani Sataki, and of course, Kyle Whittingham. Really quick before I dive into the Kyle thing, like just going back to the Lance Leipold, like props to him for staying at Kansas. And look, maybe Kansas can be really good next year, but I still got to see them do it before I can completely believe in Kansas football. It's just hard for me to do. Utah football is better on paper than everyone on their schedule. According to when we see these two, way too early top 25, if you when you see these rankings, Utah is going to be higher than everyone on their schedule. Now, they have to go to Stillwater, who I said, I know I just disrespected Oklahoma State in some people's eyes probably, still a top 20 team, not going to be easy. Even Colorado by the end of the year, it's the best quarterback in the conference and maybe in college football next year, Shador Sanders. So another one that could be tough and interesting, but it'll be interesting to see Utah's schedule when the dates of it all come out. But once again, they are better on paper than everyone on this list. But staying, sticking with uh, Kyle Whittingham. So the reports came out once again. Pete Thamel, another job where, because AM, he also said the same thing like Kyle Whittingham was a name to watch for at Texas AM. I believe Kyle Whittingham is a name that some people at Washington were interested in. But I also think this, whether it was them, and this is all speculation, none of this is reporting, whether it was them reaching out to Kyle Whittingham or just thinking through this more, it doesn't take a very hard look at Kyle Whittingham to realize. Uh, do we really want to hire a coach who's talked about retirement? Like, I just think that's not the that's not the greatest move, right? Like, this isn't the NFL. This is different than hiring Bill Belichick to be the NFL team for three years. Like, with the way recruiting is and everything, and even Kyle Whittingham, right? Like, he's it seems like he's on a year-to-year basis almost. Like, if he's retired a year from now, I'm not surprised. Are you guys? He's kind of talked about, like, each year. Like, he's like, oh, and I lose my passion for it, I'll step away. Like, he's definitely going to coach this year. But, you know, next year and the year after that, like, is Kyle Winningham going to be coaching Utah in 2026? I, I don't think so. So I think it's that's where it's like, do you want to hire someone who's not even going to be there for three years? And yeah, maybe if you hire Wit, like maybe you could bring some of the staff over. But even that, like, what if Utah just ponies up to keep those guys here? And then, I mean, as much as Washington has already spent, as we, and we, excuse me, as much as Washington already spent for, to get the head coach. We saw that willing Utah can easily outpay them for an assistant to become like, if you let's say whether it was a Morgan Scally, Andy Ludwig, whatever it is like Utah could pay more to make one of those guys, their head coach rather than having them be a higher paid assistant at Washington, I believe. So yeah, that's where the whole Washington discussion to me, once again, I just don't think it got very far with Kyle Whittingham. I think he wants to stay at Utah. I think what he's built here is special. He knows he has the job as long as he wants. And He's already, once again, he's talked about, he is closer to the end of the road than the beginning. And I think, I don't know if he really wants to go through the change and, and go up there and try to keep everyone and why it's a new recruit. It's still slightly new recruiting area. Deal with the big 10, all that extra travel. I know he's got to deal with it in the big 12 a little bit, but not as drastic as Washington's going to have to deal with going out to the likes of a Penn state or Rutgers. I don't know Washington's schedule off the top of my head, but that's just me saying in general, how, uh, how challenging some of the travel that Washington, and that's just going to be a wear and tear on the, 
on the players for sure. So I, I, yeah, I just, I don't think a deal was ever very close. I think Kyle Winningham is going to stay at Utah. I think it's um, just a testament to coach Witt and what he has built at Utah that Texas A&M and Washington who all time are better historical programs than Utah. Now Utah, of course, as of recently, well, with the exception, I can't say that about Washington since they just made the national championship game. Um, but Washington just went through those down years a couple of years ago. Utah hasn't been down in a long time because of Kyle Whittingham and the job he's done, just the recruiting, the presence, the culture. Culture is so big, right? That's the re- I think it's the biggest reason AM was looking at Kyle Whittingham because they understand how big the culture aspect is in college football. And what Kyle has brought to Utah is, is just tremendous in that aspect as well. Just the you know, it's such a big thing. You know, when you play Utah, you're going to get physical defense. They're going to run the ball well. And for the last six years or whatever it is from Tyler Huntley on the, with the, we don't talk about Jake Bentley, just like that Disney song. Like we don't talk about Bruno. That was that that's kind of the Jake Bentley year. Basically Charlie Brewer can be roped to that, I guess as well. But you know, even now it's like, well, they're always, they're going to have a pretty good quarterback back there and Tyler Huntley and Cam rising. I know everyone's like Utah's a quarterback development problem, but the guy who was supposed to be the starter for them for the past few years. And like I said, with the lone exception of that being the Charlie Brewer after two and a half games, basically. So I'm not going to be upset about that. Then after that, from there, we we saw what this Utah team has been able to do with those guys. Take on this Utah team. They're so consistent. Everyone loves them for a reason. And it's because of the respect that Kyle Whittingham have demanded whenever you play them. It's the reason. Cam effect is a huge reason the clear favor to win the Big 12. And Mike Gundy's a really good coach who's won conference championships. But when I just look at this, Utah is bringing back so many players who help them win a conference championship. And I haven't seen this Utah team. Utah's never gotten blown out with Cam Rising. Like they've had tough losses to Oregon. They lost to uh, UCLA a couple years ago on the road, too. But even those weren't like blowout embarrassments. Like they were in the game for almost the duration of the game. There's no 45 to three on their resume like it is for Oklahoma State. And Kyle Whittingham is a huge reason for that. So all the credit in the world to Coach Witt for what he built. And once again, just the whole Witt to Washington thing, I, I don't think it was ever going to get that far. He's a great coach. There's a reason a lot of people would want him, but he's not going to be at your school. When you sign him for a four- to five-year deal, I have a hard time believing he's even going to get to the – even the third year seems like a big question to be on all of those, just based on the comments and what's been said. So – Something interesting to monitor and keep in mind, but I don't think the Whittingham to Washington thing was ever going to get very far. So that's going to do it for our football talk today, but definitely want to talk about the Utah men's basketball team and dive a little bit more about what they did to UCLA last Friday night because, man, was that a good time. And we are going to be diving into that in one moment. But first, I want to talk to all of you about one of the sponsors of today's episode of Locked on Utes in our friends at Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than a loved one or one of my kids getting a Getting sick while a supply chain issue kept them from a life-saving medication they need. Thankfully, we'll all be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sickness, skin infections, among others. This stuff can happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to prepare 
to be prepared then today. Go to jacemedical.com and use code locked on to get $20 off your order. All righty. Coming in to close this one out, let's talk about what the Utah men's basketball team did to UCLA. 90 to 44. Gosh, it still feels good to say. Even off the bummer of the Stanford loss. I released that quick little social media reaction talking about that one. That one to me still comes down to free throw. When you shoot four of 12 for at the line and your opponent goes 19 for 26, which even for Stanford, they should be mad. They went 19 for 26. Like that's just abysmal, disappointing, awful, brutal, whatever adjectives you want to use in terms of the disparity there. You're not going to win games. Even when you get a triple double from Davion Smith, you get 16 from Carlson Madsen also chipping in, uh, Brandon, Ben Carlson hitting some big shots off the bench too. Cable with another nine. Like we just, when you give free opportunities at the line, 26 of them, that's, and you only get 12 yourself, not going to win games that way. Just not going to happen. So that's where the disappointment was for Utah. But as we said, the highlight of the week was obviously Friday night, 90 to 44. Utah was up by 10 at the half. I'm going to win the game 57 to 21. No one for UCLA got over 10. Uh, you know, it was Lazar Stefanovich coming back to Utah. He wasn't. He didn't have the best game either. Only scoring eight was three of 10. And this is a Bruins team that's just a mess. And, you know, they had, they got Bona back. Like, I thought there was some young talent. We all thought UCLA would be a little better, but it's just not the case. And give Craig Smith and co a lot of credit for what they've done. Utah shot a blazing hot 40% from three. They were 13 for 32. Whether you got Gabe Madsen and Cole Badjuma combining to hit seven. Davion Smith, what a revelation he's been since coming back to adding 11. Cable with 14. No one with Utah had over 15, but it's just the way Utah was just destroying the Bruins that made this one such a memorable outing. I mean, UCLA only shot 31% from the field, 17% from, from the three-point range. They only even shot 50 from the free throw line. So just wild, wild stuff. Utah had 14 offensive rebounds, so just out hustling them. 21 assists to eight. Utah had five blocks. Fast break points, they outscored them 17 to three. The points in the paint, they doubled them up 38 to 18. Utah's largest lead at one point in this game was 50 points. Just incredible stuff. And it's just amazing. You know, UCLA, as I incorrectly said, they did not make a, uh, I said they made the championship game. They made a final four a few years ago. And they've been one of the best teams, not just in the Pac-12, but in college basketball. And this is, it was a nice, and yes, they are bad this year. Like this is more bad UCLA than probably anything else. But it's a great sign for Utah just to see like, once again, just like say it, like when you say Utah beat UCLA by, they led them by as much as 50 in a game. That's a sentence I didn't think I would say, honestly, like at any point hosting this podcast, did I think that Utah would beat UCLA in basketball by 40, 46 points. It's incredible. It is absolutely insane. A huge credit to Craig Smith and company for the job they've done transforming this program. Like we said, disappointing loss to Stanford, but Still fired up about this team. I think it's Stanford's a team too. They beat Arizona. It's not like that bad of a loss to me. They'll be fine. The Utah men's basketball team got some more tests coming up this week, and I expect them to continue to play well. Hopefully get Lawson Lovering and Raleigh Wooster back. Both those players dealing with some injuries right now, but I'm feeling good about this men's basketball team as all of you should as well. Still got to talk about the gymnastics team, the women's basketball team, and so much more news for Utah football as the offseason isn't really real when there is so much always going on in the world of college football and the Utah football program. So we look forward to seeing you this rest of the week on Locked on Utes. Have a good one.